1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
0: It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders.
2: I'll be a lot of things over the course of a day. So many adjectives will describe me over the course of a 24-hour period, but really I sleep four or five hours, so a 19 or 20-hour period in every day. Emotionally empty is not going to be one of them. You will not catch me being emotionally empty, James. I am never emotionally empty. No. I can't am- be. I'm running on empty. Yeah, I'm. Mean, who among us? It's... Uh, it's the Insiders. That's James. I'm Kyle. The Kings lose to the Clippers, one thirty-one, one seventeen, last night. Emotionally empty were the words Sasha Vizankov used to describe the Kings and their performance against the Clippers last night, <clears throat> or the reason for their performance against the Clippers last night. And that's to me exactly what it looked like. Yes, that was a team that got down early and went. Ah, I got. Ah, I'm nothing. I, I got nothing for you.
3: You know. I really, really enjoy talking to Sasha Vazenkov. So I will tell you, first of all, there's there's a Greek reporter who's been in town for a couple of days. So shout out to him um, to interview Sasha and to hang out. Um, but also, I went over during pregame and, and talked to him. I, we were actually having a conversation from like across the room. And I said, hey, you looked, uh, you had a good, it, it was a nice to see you have a good game last night. And he, he goes... I can play. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, you can. Uh, all right, so I'm going to go have a conversation with you now. And so, like, there's there's just an ease to him. Mm-hmm. And then to watch him, like, in post-game go between English and then switch to Greek and give an entire explanation in, in mm-hmm. Greek. Like, he's a really intriguing dude. And I think he did capture the essence of it wasn't an excuse he said we don't want to make an excuse because everyone plays back-to-backs but it was an emotional game the night before and Mm -hmm. we were emotionally empty like i think you could look at it in like the wrong way like they were they're just saying like hey we're just done but that's not what they're like we gave everything we had to beat the the warriors Mm -hmm. and we're shot yeah. like and that happens sometimes. It's
2: like a to me the equivalent would be like a low social battery yes. where you've been in crowds and you've been talking to people and you've been schmoozing and you're you got friends over it happens a lot to me during the holidays. You got friends over and then family and then you got this party to go to and that party to go to and then by the time January 1st comes around it's like, oh, my God, I need a day to not do anything. Yeah. I cannot work up the energy to go be like, yeah, social guy. That is how last night looked for, for Sacramento. They just couldn't work up the energy. And that's not a knock on them as a basketball team. That's not. We talked about this yesterday. Like, that was the biggest pitfall of this game. Are the Clippers? Do they do they have good players like a hundred percent? But in a seven game series, I'm picking the Kings, and I would still pick the Kings. Mm-hmm. But when you look at situation and you look at how last night's game lined up with that Warriors game and the way that Warriors game went, if the Kings didn't beat the Warriors by twenty, I don't I don't think that the Clippers game goes the same way. But given that it was the comeback and it's the it's the What do they call it in a high stress inning? A lot of high stress minutes for the Kings the night before. Yes. And then you have to suit up a back to back is is tough to begin with. And again, this is not an excuse because at some point, like, hey, playoff games, you're going to have a big emotional win. You're going to get one day and then you're going to have to go be really good again. This is just the learning process. And I think it's good to experience this now on November 29th. Mm-hmm. It's November 30th today, but yesterday it was 29th. Yeah. You'd rather experience that on November 29th so you can figure out in the future, like, hey, when we have a big emotional win, it can't be followed by, yeah, we just didn't have it the next night.
3: Yeah. And Kyle, I'm going to point out, like, this is the first time for all of these things for this team, mm. right? So, mm. like, this team has never been through all of these, like, trials and tribulations. And you have to experience these things. And that's why. You know, like losing a game seven, it can be really dramatic for a team. We saw how dramatic it was mm-hmm. afterwards. Like losing to the Warriors four times in a row, boom, 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 afterwards. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was residual from game seven. Mm-hmm. Like you got to figure out a way to get through it. You got to yeah. figure out a way to climb over the mountain and get to the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think they did that. But like you don't go out there and, and run a marathon and then get up the next morning, someone goes, Hey, let's run a, let's go hit this 5K. Yeah. You're like, no, I ain't got nothing left. And so I get it. Um, that was more than a win. And that's why I hate the term one of 82. Because <laughs> that wasn't one of 82. Right. No matter on what anybody night. wants to say. It, it was not one of 82. It was one of one. And this team learned a lot from that game. Mm-hmm. And they learned a lot about themselves, but they also wore themselves out. And Mm -hmm. so, like, you need to figure out a way to get better on back-to-backs. That's a problem. This team has got stomped twice on back-to-backs. They've only had two back-to-backs. They've got 15 on the season. You can't just write off 15 losses. That's
2: not a thing you can do.
3: Yeah. Like, hey, it is what it is. Like, I,
2: you know, can't do it. Especially especially when you're losing to a team that if the Kings and Clippers played in a seven-game series, I'd pick the Kings in, like, five games. Like, I genuinely think that they are better than L.A. Okay. To that extent. And when you go just have nothing for them, that that's a winnable game still, even on a back-to-back. And I know the Clippers are... And I don't want to, like, take away... I think the Clippers are, 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 are good, but where I hold the Kings, or where I think the Kings should be, frankly, is not, <clears throat> hey, just can't beat this team tonight. Like, you should still be able to figure out how to win that game. Yeah. So... That was, just, it was, it's not so much that they lost, it was how, the the general malaise that they played with. It was just,
3: man, that is... They were the, emotionally detached. You yeah, could see it the, the whole time.
2: The, the energy was bad, it was, they'd get a couple of buckets and then some Olay defense on the other end and it was easy layups for, for the Clippers. It, that... LA had so many. If saying LA, I always think Lakers. <laughs> yeah, but but the Clippers had so many open looks at the basket from three. They were getting whatever they wanted, and there was just no resistance.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Steve Kerr, the the word Steve Kerr always uses is force.
0: Okay. Like they didn't
2: play with enough force. That was the Kings had nothing last night. And again, it's not, it's not an excuse. It's not like they they didn't play well enough, and mm-hmm. they lost. They got they got hammered at home. But on the other hand, we can't be sitting here in February going, yeah, you know, it was a back-to-back. They just didn't have it tonight. Man, like, no, you got to get up for one of these.
3: Yeah, at some point, you've got to be better than the situation. Mm -hmm. And and I get it. But I also think that, like, the end-season tournament, like, it it did mean something. Beating Mm -hmm. the Warriors, it meant something. And then let's add in this other element, which realistically is what wiped me out. Mm -hmm. It was like a a three-and-a-half-hour game, it felt like. So, like, we we get the tip-off got pushed back on Tuesday night until 7.15, and then it's a TNT game, so TNT breaks are, like, a minute longer than any other, uh, like, televised break that you're going to have. So the game slows down. Mm. Like I told you, Mike Brown got done talking, and he talked for almost 20 minutes after the game, and that was after we had two players. Mm. It was 11 o'clock. At night, and we, we hadn't even got to the locker room yet. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I got a jet. I there. got a show in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think you saw it even in pregame. Mike Brown stepped up to the podium in pregame and like had he had zero, zero charisma, zero energy in pregame. You could see it, and they were wiped out. Even the coach was wiped out. And then the problem that you have is that you're playing a team in the Clippers... That aren't very good. They have stars, and they but they they don't fit together. They've not been playing well, and they're a team that just lost to the Denver Nuggets a couple of nights earlier, where they had a huge lead Mm -hmm. and they let it go against a team playing without Jokic, Mm -hmm. without uh, Aaron Gordon, without Gordon, without Murray. Yeah, they they got beat by that team. They got beat by DeAndre Jordan two nights earlier, who hung up twenty one points. More than he'd scored since 2018. Exactly. And so what Mike Brown was doing in the fourth quarter, he stayed with his players. He was mm-hmm. looking out there and going, man, first of all, I, I asked him about it. He said, I'm going to try a couple of things, right? I, we wanted to try some things because we're going to play these guys again. Mm-hmm. So let's hit them with this. Let's hit them with that. Let's see how they react. Let's let's see if we can mm-hmm. get some different play sets in. He's like, did I stick with the starters a little too long? I probably did. He's like, but at the same time, like there were these little runs. Dude, it was... I kept waiting because
2: <laughs> I was, I'm I'm in a better spot than you are, but I'm still like, man, if it's a game where I go, hey, I can finish this up. I can record this and, and watch it in the morning. Yeah. Uh, because there's a different experience watching it live versus, you know, not. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting for a point where like, okay, I can turn this one off. Okay, I can turn this one off. Okay, finish this. Mo- but with like six minutes left in the fourth, it was like, ah,
3: I still... Uh. I guess there are a couple of threes and a couple stops away from this being real interesting. It's a combination of <laughs> having some faith in who the Sacramento Kings look like they're going to be yeah, and having so little faith in who the Los Angeles Clippers are. 1,000%. Uh, it's a mixture of both. And the fact is your star showed up. He didn't have like, he wasn't just so unstoppable. De'Aaron Fox put a 40, a casual 40. And that's why he's our
2: Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. <laughs> is. Really ESPN1320.com. Hit that Jiffy Lube contest page. It's right there on the front. You can't miss it. Enter the code word FOX, F-O-X, and enter to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate.
3: Go on. The password is FOX.
2: ESPN1320.com. Jiffy Lube
3: contest page. Can't miss it. Code word FOX. Okay. So if FOX is going to sit there and keep you at least within striking distance, Mm-hmm then you got to like you got to give it a shot for someone else to catch fire and if one other person catches fire then can one more player mm-hmm. can one more and next thing you know you get a couple of stops and the thing shifts the the problem the kings had is they did not have any way to get a stop at all
2: that like, right it was well and we'll get into this we'll have your six quick thoughts in the next segment but yeah they Deere and Fox, to me, and Sass in our, in our YouTube chat, youtube.com slash ESPN 1320, Sass in the chatty house, said that was one of the least impactful 40-point games. I thought Sasha was the most impactful with a positive plus-minus because he was plus-six in a blowout. I would I don't disagree with the Sasha point, but to me, that wasn't a, a, a non-impactful 40 is when you shoot it 35 times and you score 40 and your team loses by a ton. That was Fox doing everything he could to keep them from losing by 30. Yes. If one other play, if Damana Sabonis, who we'll talk about later, or Kevin Herter or Harrison Barger, somebody hits a few shots, you have a ball game there. So to me, it's not
3: that wasn't De'Aaron Fox just putting up empty stats. I totally agree. Like, you can't stumble your way to 40, especially on 23 shots. And he hit nine to 10 from the line. Like, he did what he had to do to to, to improve off of his previous game, Mm -hmm. he dropped 40. He just didn't have someone else to run with him. Yeah. We'll dive
2: into more on De'Aaron Fox, more on his supporting cast, and, of course, Sasha Vizankov, who, once again, a really, really good game Mm -hmm. uh, from the rookie. We will dive into all of that with James' six quick thoughts next. That's James. I'm Kyle. We're the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube. This is ESPN 1320, Sacramento sports leader.
0: Now, back to the insiders with James Hamm and oh. Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
2: Lost my buttons for a second.
3: Uh oh.
2: But I wasn't emotionally empty while doing it. Well I was doing it with love in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of love in in our hearts, a huge shout out to Jiffy Lube, who pulled up yesterday at some point, and dropped off a bunch of boxes with boxes, boxes. signs on them that say delivery from Jiffy Lube and they are wrapped in holiday wrapping paper. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the boxes behind James there. We don't know what is inside them. We just know that we are giving
3: those away the week before Christmas. Damien S- started picking things up and shaking them and stuff. Oh, dang. He did. He, like, I hope it's not fragile. fragile yeah i have no
2: idea what but they're stacked back there don't shake don't you shake it now oh my god now james is shaking the box i can't guarantee that i can't guarantee that whatever is gonna you're gonna win is gonna be intact because apparently we're just shaking all the boxes now shaking not stirred brutal so we'll be opening those at some point next week to let you know what it is and then we'll be telling you how how we're going to give them away uh once once we figure out what's inside i know what's in the box what's in the box so if you want to see what those look like maybe take a guess youtube.com slash espn 1320 that's the website you can go check it out check out the video stream see the boxes and see if you can guess what it is not that you'll win if you guess what it is but yeah what it, i don't take think it's
3: that sass what,
2: what is say- what did she guess he, what did he or she guess? What did that person guess? Yo, that'd be incredible. <laughs> Just leaning all the way into the bit, like, hey, here's some here's some stuff on here's a tire changing kit, some new brake pads,
3: and a uh, kit to change roadside roller. safety kit. <laughs> a roadside safety. Oh,
2: uh, I mean, funny funny story hey, about roadside possible. safety kits. Yeah, Real go quick. ahead. Yeah. Okay, so and then we'll and then we'll get back. I we'll like get tangents. To go for it. Yeah. No. 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 So. I drove a Scion XB for a long time. And in the back of my Scion XB, that's a little toaster car, right? In the back of my Scion XB, I had a, not the original one, the very squared one. Mine was more rounded on the edges. If it was white, it would look like a stormtrooper helmet. Okay. That's how I would describe it. Got it. So I had this roadside kit in the back of my car. Well, on the way home from an A's game one night, I was stopping for construction and I got rear ended at like 70 miles an hour. Oh, and it shattered my, it blew my back window out. It like crumpled at the back of my car and sent me spinning down the freeway. Wow! And in the process of all of this, my emergency roadside kit not only flew out of my car, but like busted open and strewn across the freeway was my emergency roadside kit. So I get in an accident where I might need the items in here: flares, uh, cones, a little first aid thing anything like that that I might have needed I would have to walk into traffic to go get which to me defeats the purpose of the emergency roadside kit
3: so it does R.I.P. R.I.P. I textbooks
2: in the back it was tough it was a tough go I had to hit my professors like hey do you have an extra copy of this book
3: I will tell you, my um, my best friend is a firefighter city of Davis tough. Um, and the stuff he's seen is crazy but he said that loose things in your car do so much damage Mm. Like you know, just think if you have a yeah. if you take your um like your ball and uh uh tow hitch off your truck and off at, you know like so someone doesn't steal your ball and hitch right you take that off and you throw it in the the tr- the the back seat of your SUV mm-hmm. just think if you hit something going head on where that thing is gonna go sure it's gonna fly right at you it could kill you. You could survive the accident and get killed by something flying from your right. back seat and right. wipe you out. So, this is a, I this is figure, the insiders. I, this Sponsored is the insiders. Yeah. <laughs> when I was sixteen, I rolled my dad's truck, and uh, I I hit a bank. I'm climbing up the bank. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Were you robbing it? No, like a. a Like dirt. Oh,
2: like the side oh, like on the side of the road. Got it. it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: should have deduced that. Go ahead. And I look out of the corner of my eye, I see my dad's tool bucket lift up out of the floorboard and come flying. And I lean back and it goes right through the driver's door window. Truck lands on it and I'm sliding in the I'm literally sliding on a bucket that's crushed all my dad's tools and like the pavement sliding right next to my face on the driver's door. I had to stand on the steering wheel to get out.
2: That's incredible that you remember that. Oh yeah. When I got hit, (laughs) I don't remember anything. I I just I blacked out. Oh. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything that. Were you injured, Kyle? No, I was totally fine. I think I banged my head on the steering wheel because my forehead hurt, but it wasn't like bruised (laughs) or cut. And then my knee hurt from where I banged it one, but okay, I was totally fine. Shout out to Scion for the
3: yeah for the safety. The toaster survived. Well, the toaster didn't survive, but you no, survived. No, the toaster was the toaster. totaled. The totaled st- toast. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. yeah. All right, Kings, Clippers, back to Kings. Let's get let's uh, let's blast through six quick thoughts here, uh, because th- these are just going to kind of set the table for us today. We will be diving into all of these a little bit more. We'll also get into Week Thirteen of the NFL season. Scott Cole Branson of Silver and Black today is going to join us here in about ten minutes. Uh, to we talk, talk about to talk the Raiders that. heading into their bye week, and then we will have uh, 49ers Eagles talk for you. The point spread in that one very interesting. But James, uh, your first one, Fox versus Westbrook.
3: Yeah. So De'Aaron Fox grew up uh, as as Westbrook as one of his favorite players. Uh, he's a player that if you look at their stats throughout their career, they actually mirror each other as they they uh you know each year. Um. Anyway, he was one of the few players that actually showed up to play. Mm-hmm. Forty points on fourteen and twenty-three shooting. He only had three assists, but no one else really stepped up to hit any extra buckets. Um, I thought he was really good and very impactful, and surprisingly, in a game where you're playing against four Hall of Famers for the second straight night, he was the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. Although James Harden did give him a run for his money
2: in a in a which, ugh, but in yeah. a in a game where not a lot of dudes showed up, De'Aaron Fox showed up, and that's what you want to see from your star number two.
3: Another opportunity. Sasha Vizinkov, uh was a game changer against Golden State. And Mike Brown gave him another look against Clippers. Uh, I thought he brought energy. I thought he brought effort. He finished with a career-high 13 points and five rebounds, and he started the second half for Chris Duarte. We never got a, an update on Chris Duarte, but Chris Duarte did not play in the second half of this game, and I don't mm. know if that was there was a specific reason, but uh, Sasha Vizenkov gets a start.
2: Yeah, and Vizenkov was was really good again. Just I mean 3 of 5 from 3 is obviously great. Mm-hmm. The five boards, you love, 13 points is a plus 6, which is I mean all of that is is positive stuff. He is an NBA player, man. Like that's he he belongs in the NBA. What size his role is, I don't I don't fully know yet. I don't even know if the Kings fully know yet. But I mean, he was good last night and good against Golden State, and I think that's about as the best you can hope for on November 30 of his rookie year.
3: I, I totally agree. Yep. He's right. adjusting and he's figuring it out. Yep. Um, let's get to number three. Sabonis so, so had another tough night. Um, He's usually consistent, but he struggled against Zubat's, uh 11 points, 3 of 12 shooting, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. He looked worn out. And to me, the 5 rebounds was like a huge issue. Like, that's a couple of games in a row where he hasn't been the rebounder that he was before. Yep. This is a guy that, like, finished with 60-something double-doubles last year, and I think he's got back-to-back games without a double-double.
2: Yeah, we will discuss Demonis Sabonis at length a little bit later. Let's fly through the last three.
3: Okay, uh, show some fight. I thought Malik Monk, was, he's the energizer for this team, and I thought he mm-hmm. did his best. Um, but he scored 15 points, 3 of 8 shooting, perfect 7 of 7 from the line. He The 7 of 7 tells me that he was aggressive going and attacking he wasn't a big assist man for another uh for a second straight game um i expected more out of him and the javel mcgee tandem but that lasted very very uh, like that was short-lived Yeah,
2: five minutes for javel last night yeah
3: yeah uh, definitely not what i expected from the overall of malik monk but he was okay Mm -hmm. number Uh, five number five uh everyone jump on the struggle bus Uh, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Chris Duarte, none of the three made a double-figure scoring. Uh, They combined for 2 of 10 from long range and scored a total of uh, 23 points. That, to me, is where the
2: De'Aaron Fox 40-point game, that's him doing everything he possibly can. If one of those players has even an average night,
3: the Kings are in the game at the end. They're right right in the game. Yeah, Yeah. but the crazy thing is they didn't shoot. Seven shots, seven shots, six shots. Yeah, I want twenty shots, man. That's uh,
2: <laughs> I want to dig into all of this further later.
3: Last okay, one. Uh, make them play it out. Outside of De'Aaron Fox, the Kings' rot- rotational players weren't very good, despite the game being nearly out of reach for most of the second half. Mike Brown made his players see it through. Maybe this was a learning lesson. Uh, maybe it was to get them better, in better shape. Maybe it was to work out a couple of things. Maybe it was because Mike Brown thought that somehow they would catch up and beat the Clippers. Given how the Warriors game went, how do you not? No, how do I you agree. not let them ride it out? And especially the way the Clippers game went the previous game. Yes. Yeah, might as well ride it out, but also yeah. it's a learning lesson. Get out yeah. there, play. A teaching
2: moment for sure and not bailing out a team that it's not like, hey, you guys played played great, but they were just a better team tonight. It's like, man, you guys didn't bring it so maybe you can muster up some energy here in the last five or six minutes to figure it out and uh and they didn't <clears throat> i have a tough time like i said yesterday complaining about anything mike brown is doing rotation wise right now <clears throat> he seems to be pushing all the right buttons so i'm sure there was was a, a logical reason for for that all right Scott branson of silver and black today we're gonna switch gears here and talk some nfl we've been really kings heavy lately but there's Uh, the the Raiders are on a bye. So we'll do a a bye week check in there. And then we got a huge 49ers Eagles game. We'll start getting prepared for that on the other side as well. Um, Plus later on in the show in the second hour, good, bad and ugly from the Kings Clippers game. We will dive a little bit further into some of James quick thoughts. All of that is coming up here on the insider sponsored by Jiffy Luba on ESPN 1320 Sacramento sports.
1: Let up. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news
0: Like me.
1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today.
0: Now back to the insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
2: Scott Gobranson, silver and black today. It's an Odyssey original podcast covering all things Las Vegas Raiders. He joins us right now on the Insider, sponsored by Lube. That's James. I'm Kyle. He's Scott. Uh, Scott, it's the bye week for the Raiders. They get a week off, some time to reassess. I appreciate you uh, for taking time out during a week where the Raiders don't play to, to pop on with us. This is great.
4: Yeah. And, you know, apologies again. I missed last week with you. So, I, I mean, I guess there was no coordination. My bye week was last week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, always, always good to be back on with you guys. And yeah, it's a bye week, but there's lots of conversation happening around the the Raiders. And obviously, NFL season doesn't stop even when teams are on bye week. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what they're able to do. They got a lot to figure out between now and when they face the Vikings next Sunday uh, and so, so lots to talk about, despite the fact that the guys all get a week off. So I want
2: to, I, I want to look ahead after the buy here at some point, but but let's stick before the buy first. The Raiders sit at five and seven. They've fired a head coach, a GM, an offensive coordinator. They benched their starting quarterback that they paid this off season. Uh, am I missing anything? Is that right? Is that it?
3: Dogs, cats, no, you got Living it. together. Oh, they, okay. they, great rain, complete, pours, complete chaos. Great.
2: Okay. Perfect. Our okay. pets heads are falling off. Um, what has gone, what has gone right for the Raiders before the buy?
4: So, well, a couple things. One is I think, I think the switch and head coach, even though that obviously is not in anywhere, uh, a good thing per se, cause that means obviously things are going wrong. I think the switch when it happened was good for the culture overall. And for some of the players that will be around after this year, I think they'll have some more turnover on this roster again. But I think getting getting those guys right, because you had people like Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and the young quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, Josh Jacobs, those guys were not happy with the environment that they were working in. And so uh, I think that that switch was a positive, because now at least you're going to get the best of what you can out of what you have. And and to me, that's a positive. I also think the positive was that you know Aiden O'Connell, fourth round rookie, is he a franchise quarterback, it doesn't look like it yet, but he's doing well. Can he be developed into something of value for the Raiders, especially being on a rookie contract? I think so. Absolutely. He's done well. The fact that Jimmy Garoppolo did so poorly opened the door for him so they can play him and, and, and try to work out the kinks, see what they really have. And he's, he's already started in five games and now he's going to get five more. So you'll have a good sense for what he is and what he could be in the NFL. So I think those two things, are a big deal. And, and if I'm looking for positives, those are definitely two of them.
3: Yes. Yeah, God, I, I was going to ask about O'Connell, like, you know, he's, he's got a big arm. He, he does some of the things that you want him to do, but is there a moment yet that you've had with him where you're, it just stands out where you're like, okay, I think maybe he is one of those guys. Maybe he can be a player in this league or is it just too early to tell?
4: You know, it's funny. I oscillate on that. I think there are there have been glimpses of things that are, are very encouraging. Uh, if you watch breakdowns of him on film, you see that he makes good choices. Uh, he also can deliver the ball uh, in tight windows. All the things you want a quarterback to do. So, uh, of course, he's got the inexperience. And the inexperience is going to result in turnovers. It's going to ro- result in some bad decisions, too. But if you look at how quickly he grasps the system, it's pretty good. Not only that, but he's very calm. For, for a guy his age, he doesn't get shaken too much, and sometimes that means he holds on to the ball too long, which is not good, and it results in sacks and whatnot. But I think overall, for me, the positives and the negatives, what we don't know yet is how much he can really create. And I think in the NFL today, one of the things that he's not blessed with, and it's not anything he's doing wrong, he's just not fleet of foot. He's not a guy who's going to create like a Josh Allen, and I'm not comparing them overall. I'm just saying somebody who's going to get out of the pocket with their legs and do something, sure. somebody like Stroud, somebody like the uh, Lawrence in, in Jacksonville, they, they can create. And I think in today's NFL, you have to do that. So that limits him. Can he overcome that And or can he get better at it? I'm not sure. So I think that you have to look at him and say, okay, what's he going to do? Uh, And is he a guy that you're going to have as a backup? Is he going to have a nice career in the NFL being a spot starter? Because he is smart and he can throw the ball. Um, Maybe that's what his ceiling is, or maybe it's higher and we just haven't seen it yet. Talking
2: with Scott Colbranson, Silver and Black today. That's an Odyssey original podcast covering all things Las Vegas Raiders. Joining us here on the Insiders on ESPN 1320. It feels like the Raiders, maybe more than any other team, have seen their expectations fluctuate. A lot over the course of this year. It was before the year it was like this could be a playoff team. And then James and I were talking in week five, like, dude, they just got a punt on this season and play for a draft pick. Now at five and seven, like, hey, you know what? They looked pretty good against. They looked okay against Miami, and now they can. They they were ahead of the Chiefs by by a couple of touchdowns early on. Before letting that one slip away, can they maybe hang around and and make a playoff push at the end? So what's your expectation now for the Raiders coming out of the bye week?
4: Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I think that you look at where they're at, what their remaining schedule looks like. And I just have not seen anything from a consistency basis that points to me that this team can make a run to the playoffs, okay. So and that's not being overly negative. It's just looking at the the body of work that we've seen. Even after McDaniels is fired, and Antonio Pierce takes over, they go 500, they go two and two. So if you look at that and you look at the schedule coming down the pike, they got to face Minnesota. They got to face the LA chargers who are in a mess themselves about to get their coach fired. Uh, But then you got to face the Broncos who've now uh, are on fire. The NFL's hottest teams, uh, one of the NFL's, And then you got to face the chiefs again. So I look at that and I say, Hmm, what realistically could they do? And, And I'm thinking out of five games, could they win two? Absolutely. Can they win four? I think that's a stretch. And by the way, I think they kind of have to win. If they want – we hear keep hearing players want Antonio Pierce as their permanent head coach. If he wants to be permanent head coach, he's got to pull a rabbit out of his hat at this point. He's got to go 4-1. and one. They still don't make the playoffs, I don't think. I think you're going to have to win 10. Um, and I just don't think they get there, even if they went on a hot streak. But, again, I think that they just don't have, as I always say, the Jimmys and the Joes to be a consistent team that's going to make a playoff run. you got a young quarterback. Um, you got an offense that has never been consistent all season long. And that all points to, okay, maybe they'll get a couple more wins, uh, but it's definitely going to be, Hey, let's see and evaluate what we have and then go into next year and figure out what we're going to do a coach and figure out what we're going to do in the draft to fill this roster better.
3: Scott, the, the Raiders made a move this weekend um, with waving Marcus Peters. Uh, they also had what a Roderick uh, teamer issue um, just mm-hmm. the drama hasn't, they haven't been able to avoid, uh, actually since they've been in Vegas, but, uh, but overall, even like this season, there's been drama hit here and there. Uh, what was it? Chandler Jones early in the season, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you got on, on the Marcus Peters situation or, or even the, the teamer situation?
4: Well, Marcus Peters, number one. Um, I think they, they had been frustrated with him earlier. If you go back to the Chicago game. People felt, I mean, even fans just watching, and you know, emotional fans get, of course, but he, he didn't seem to be putting forward a full effort. I mean, you can sort of tell, I mean, for us, those of us who cover the sport and cover other sports, you can kind of tell when a guy's not right or he's not putting everything into it. And Marcus Peter just wasn't doing that. And it just got over, I think, worse and worse and worse. And then in the Chiefs game... I mean, he had one of the worst, uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm tackling the guy and throw my arms at him and just let him go by mm. that I've ever seen. that resulted then in a heated conversation on the sideline between him and Antonio Pierce. And right after the game, I think it was Vic Taffer, the athletic, said, uh, yeah, signs indicate that he's going to be, be released soon. And sure enough, the next day he was cut. He Listen, he was not going to be the Marcus Peters that everybody knew in his heyday, but his lack of effort, I, I think my, maybe Marcus Peters... It was just done with football. You know, his skills had declined enough where maybe he wasn't excited to play. And it was showing on the field and the Raiders got to figure out their defensive backfield. And they have some young players. They can move around there to see what they can do on the outside. Uh, and then of course they went and got Jack Jones after he was released from put on waivers by the Patriots. So they have some other bodies to put in there. So they wanted to move on the Roderick team thing. Look after what happened with Henry Ruggs um, and, and the accident, the drunk driving, the speeding, uh, That's just not going to be tolerated, right? And and the Raiders aren't going to do that. And so when Roderick Teamer does that, not only does it, but does it the night before the game against the Chiefs when he's supposed to be at the team hotel, pretty easy to cut bait. And I also think it speaks to the culture that while he's in charge, Antonio Pierce isn't going to put up with that stuff. And so uh, I think he had a lot to do with that and saying goodbye to Teamer uh, and just cutting him loose.
2: We've mentioned Antonio Pierce here a couple times as we talk with Scott Branson of Silver and Black today on Odyssey Original Podcast. Covering all things Las Vegas Raiders, we've mentioned Antonio Pierce a couple times. It sounds like, in in your mind, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, that that he's kind of a long shot to be the long-term answer as head coach. Does he really need to go like 5-0 and and make the playoffs to be in that conversation? Or is the, hey, the vibes are good, the culture seems to be heading the right way, is that still going to be good enough at the end of this year?
4: Well, I, I, don't, I don't think he has to make the playoffs, but definitely a 4-1 and one would help him. I mean, look, he, he's a great guy, and, and fans don't want to hear it because fans have fallen in love with this guy, and fans want to name him the head coach already, and And what we've said on our show is, what's the hurry? Like, You don't know who else wants the job. It's not that he's going to be the only person available that wants one of the only 32 jobs in the world mm-hmm. coaching an NFL team, right? So I think if you look at that, he's got all of the, the intangibles you want in a head coach. What he doesn't have... He doesn't have experience as a coordinator. He was a position coach now in college he did, but not at the pro level. And I think the Raiders what the Raiders need is is they need somebody who's going to come in and innovate and change the trajectory of the franchise on the football side in a way that they really need. If you look around the league and you look at the 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 kind of hot coaching candidates, not that they all work out, hmm. but if you look at them, they're all younger guys who are doing things differently. They're innovating on offense. They're innovating on defense, and I think that's what the Raiders need now. If he earns it, I think he can earn it. If he if he goes four and one, great. Then he's got to be in serious consideration for it. But I, I just don't. I don't think it's the the way to go because does he have the contacts? He's been around, but as he's a player, but has he had the contacts where he can go get a, a top notch offensive coordinator next year? Or if he's got to backfill and do another defensive coordinator, does he have the contacts to do that? I just don't, don't think he is. I think everybody's rooting for him, guys, but in reality, I think he is still a long shot. You look at the numbers of interim coaches have taken over. The only one that had any great number of success, and even that could be argued, was Jason Garrett. When Jason Garrett took over in Dallas as an interim coach, he ended up taking that his team to the playoffs in three different years. After that, nobody else has done that since 2000, so it's a long shot.
2: Man, all right, last thing, and then we'll get you out of here, Scott. And, and we really appreciate your time as always. Who was the pre-bye week MVP for the Raiders for you?
4: Oh, I think I think no question, it has to be Max Crosby. Yeah. I mean, there's you know he if he was on if he was on a winning team, if he was on I don't know anybody name him if he was on Philadelphia, he would be oh, probably God. right there with Miles Garrett as the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's on the Raiders. Uh, Miles Garrett, uh, even though he's just on the Brown, his numbers are so good. So I, I think that it's definitely Max Crosby, uh, without a doubt. Uh, when you look at just the totality, of he is the Raiders.
2: Who is it on the offensive side?
4: Boy, that's a, that's a tougher question. Uh, Josh <laughs> Jacobs has been so up up and down. Yeah, um, I, I think, and when you look at that and what's happened there, you know, I think overall a surprising name. I, I, even though he's been a little bit quiet the last several weeks. Has been uh, early on was Jacoby Myers yeah. he was was incredible and of course Devonte Adams is there but Devonte Adams use has been up and down so I would go with Jacoby Myers or Aiden O'Connell who's come in and even even though he hasn't he's two and three as a starter he has settled the quarterback position to the point where they've done better are they doing good enough no but they've done better and after the Garoppolo disappointment I think that he deserves some consideration there too.
2: That's Scott Go Branson. You can check him out. Silver and Black today is the podcast. Check it out uh, on the Free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Scott, thanks so much for dropping by the Insider's Day. We really appreciate you, man.
4: All right, guys. Talk to you next week.
2: Yep. Enjoy the bye week. There you go. Scott Go Branson. Really enjoy talking Raiders with him. I do too. I need I need the Raiders. I I I don't think four and one is probably realistic. No. Like Minnesota has questions at quarterback. Like, okay, that's that's fair. The Chargers can lose any week. Their ability to to lose a game they shouldn't is unmatched. At Kansas City, that's a little tough. At Indiana or at Indiana, geez, now I'm on NBA. At Indianapolis, yep, that's uh, Indy's a playoff team right now. They're not an easy out. And then you got Denver, who's who's won five in a row right now. That's going to be a, five. that's yep. going to be a really tough stretch. But I don't know. Get that win against Minnesota, maybe upset the Chargers okay let's get the vibe, get back to 500 the vibes moving the right way
3: uh-oh I don't know. Uh, you never know like uh this the one thing I can say about the Raiders is they lose when they shouldn't and they win when they shouldn't uh this season and so you kind of get that vibe that you know like all bets are off from here on out
2: yeah yeah, yeah. so they're on a buy this week we will check back in with Scott next week as the Raiders gear up to play Minnesota the 49ers play this week. In, I hate calling it the game of the year before the game even happens. It's the game of the year, Kyle. It feels like it. It feels like the, <laughs> no, it feels like when the schedule came out, this was the one that, this was one of the first games that the, quote unquote leaked. I love that a schedule leak, which was tweeted out by the NFL. Like, that's not a leak. That's a, that's an announcement. Yeah. That, you know, the, that, that was one of the first games that the league announced because that's the, that's the nfc championship game rematch and it almost feels like this has more more fanfare than and maybe it's because of the of the northern california bubble i live in but it feels like this game has more fanfare
3: than the super bowl rematch between the chiefs and eagles oh yeah i would think so because i i think realistically if you look at what happened last season I think Philadelphia, they were like a really good team. They were a feel-good story all the way throughout the season. But you weren't convinced that they were that team, right? Mm-hmm. Then, of course, whatever happens in the NFC championship game, a championship game happens, right? You lose your quarterback. You lose your backup quarterback. You have no quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, like, the the Niners were done, right? Yeah. But, but then Philadelphia, like, they move on, and, and now they look like a true contender where Mm -hmm. last year, I don't know that anyone was convinced that they are a true contender yet. Yeah. Right. You thought they were close, but are they really that team? Mm -hmm. Now you think they are, but you also think the Niners are, and this is, this should be epic. This should be a, a like clash of the Titans. You hope,
2: like Like, you hope so. Can the Niners keep their quarterback healthy? That's step one, but no, I think that's part. I, I, I legitimately think that's part of it though, because you brought up the quarterback thing earlier. Yeah. It feels like okay. the The Eagles kicked the crap out of the Niners in in the NFC Championship game, but it didn't feel indicative of where those two teams are functionally. Yeah, the Forty Nine ers weren't twenty four points worse than the Eagles last year. No, and I think that's part of the whole thing. Is
3: hey, what does this look like if the Niners can keep their quarterback healthy for four quarters? We were robbed of a great NFC Championship game. Like, yeah. but realistically, and I mean, like, I, I no one intended to hurt Brock Purdy. I'm not saying, you know, that, but like that should have been a really good game. Yeah. And it turned out to be not a really good game because you lost
2: in a freak, honestly, freak injury too. guys get hit in the arm while they're throwing all the time, all the time without blowing their UCL out. Yeah. Just a really, really tough situation. And like I said, the Eagles, I thought the Eagles were, were probably better. And I, I thought they were going to win going into that game. I thought it was going to be tight, but I thought they were going to win the 31 to seven score is not indicative and everybody looks at that game and goes, Oh, well that was the game where the 49ers had a quarterback with no arms. Yeah. And, and now we actually get to, so I think this is, is actually like, Hey, let's see it again. We've seen, okay, Brock Purdy is actually legit. He can actually play. The 49ers are good. Again, the Eagles are even better. So let's, let's see what these two teams look like. Yeah. So I'm, I am fascinated. And, and honestly, I think that we're going to, we're going to learn something this weekend about both teams but i'm also still penciling them both into the nfc title game where that game is played tbd but i haven't seen anything so far in the nfc that
3: lets me think that they're not the two best teams i would also say this kyle this might be the battle for the mvp and Hmm. and it can go a couple of different ways like if hurts like leads them and and Continues his his late game heroics yeah. and, and defeats the 49ers in dramatic fashion or or He's runs them over, yeah. then it's probably his to lose yeah, from here on out. But if Brock Purdy throws for 350 and three touchdowns and That'd tears nice. apart the, the Eagles, you're you're gonna start hearing a lot more chatter. Mm-hmm. If Christian McCaffrey goes for 125 and three touchdowns, you're gonna start hearing the chatter mm-hmm. there. So I, I think that this is a moment where one of these teams is going to come out as like the the team that everyone believes is the best team in football, mm-hmm. and probably has the MVP.
2: But I genuinely, I, I I think you're you're right because narratives play such a big role. But then there's you know five games after this one, of course, that will also set the table for for who's going to eventually win that MVP. But as far as the you know public front runner, I definitely think that Sunday is going to have a massive massive bearing on that. Yeah, because I, if Jalen Hurts can't get through the 49ers. Yeah, if he just doesn't play well and maybe has a
3: comeback fall short, then, then sure. Then you're going to look at all of his other stats and realize is his stats are really, like, they're not you pedestrian. Know, but no, That's a also, really good player. You no, know, they are. He's a really good player, but his stats don't hold up against some of the other statistical players. You know, he has 11 rushing touchdowns this year.
2: Okay. Okay. Two of them have come from outside the three-yard line.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I mean that's that tush push is nasty. It is, but those aren't like I think when Josh Allen had like eleven or twelve touchdown rushing touchdowns, those were legit. Like I don't consider the tush push as like you know, like Marcus Allen is one of the greatest short-yardage backs of all time. mm -hmm. Like his touchdowns were well earned. He. Like, if you got Marcus Allen to the two-yard line, you're getting a touchdown every yeah. single time.
2: Yeah. That's, I think it's it's hard because it's obviously not the same as, oh, finding a little, uh finding a crease and, and bashing your way through or running through a linebacker or, you know, bouncing it outside and scoring. I know it's not the same as that, but there's still something involved there. Like, uh, it still takes a dominant offensive line. You have to have a quarterback who's strong enough to... Uh, push himself forward through the mass of bodies. Um, I I definitely think there's more to it than just like oh anyone could do that. But on the other hand, it's not the same as hey, indiv- it, the the touchdown run he had to win the Bills game. Talking about Jalen Hurts here, mm-hmm. that was a play that not a lot of quarterbacks can make. Okay, that just straight quarterback draw. He's going to go in, make a guy miss, and beat a couple guys to the end zone. That That is, I think, the kind of run you're talking about.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, at Josh Allen, like, when he scored all those touchdowns as a running quarterback, mm-hmm. it was, like, outside the pocket running, like, sure. like plowing through guys yeah. at the two-yard line to get into the end zone. Yeah. To me, this is, it's not even like a running back having 11 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like this is not the same. Hmm. So it's not like we're talking about, you know, like the the Mike Allstott type situation where he, <laughs> he had ten touchdowns every year. It's not that. It's you know, they're, they're it's almost like a weird gimmick and like I don't really put an asterisk next to stats except for that to me it doesn't feel like it's like it's an honest to goodness individual effort like leading to a touchdown.
2: My thing with Jalen Hurts is if he was twenty I always I always talk myself into this corner and I never have a good number. If he was 15% worse, the Eagles are probably like 8 and 3 right now. Maybe 7 and 4. Okay, but he has been a really good and then B excellent in huge spots. Like every big spot they've needed their quarterback to go make a play, he's made it. And that that counts for something when it comes to the MVP race. What's fascinating to me is not only did the 49ers open as the favorites at some books that they opened as a, it, it was a pick'em, mm-hmm. So it was just a, the line was zero, but depe- I was, it, I don't know if I can, uh, am I allowed to, mm, at a betting site that I looked at today. Okay. The Niners were up to minus three after opening at minus a point and a half on Sunday night. Oh, and man, look, that's wild, Kyle. It's crit Wh- I thought for sure that, this was going to be one of those games where it's Eagles favored by two, two and a half. They're at home. Even if you think they're matched up pretty evenly, the link is a really tough place to play. So, okay. You get, you give the Eagles a couple points and, and feel good about it. Niners minus three. Even if you think San Francisco's better, you can that, get pl- the Eagles and wild. three points at home. That's the 10 wild. and one Eagles. Uh, I'm taking the, I, if you give me a grand, you have a grant. I'm, I'm going to give you a grand, okay? And maybe that's what's in the boxes. No. No, no. I don't think it's just just $1,100 bills. Um a no. giant box. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm going to give you a grand, okay? You have to bet it on 49ers minus three or Eagles plus three. No props, no alternate lines, nothing like that. Just straight up, you're betting the point spread. I would have a really hard time being like, yeah, I'm going to risk this $1,000 on the 49ers. Also, the 49ers minus three points.
3: I might take it, but it it's a coin flip. I, I like I'm surprised. Like the home team always gets roughly two and a half three points, and to have them be like so that means this, this is a five and a half six point spread. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm stunned, Kyle. I don't mm. stunned. I don't.
2: I don't. I don't understand it. Like I I read my text to my sports better buddy yesterday and he's like, yep, basically Eagles have gotten lucky. I'm like, "Eh." wow. We'll dive into this a little. We'll dive into this more tomorrow. We'll put a pin in it for now. We'll, we'll do our, our full preview on Friday's show, but I, I'm endlessly fascinated by how people outside of Philadelphia and outside of the Northern California sphere view this game. Let's get back into the Kings and Clippers. We've got the good, bad and ugly from last night's game coming up for you. Uh, Also, Aaron Rodgers is apparently trying to return this year. You want to find out why? Uh, that's James I'm Kyle. We're the Insider. Sponsored by Jiffy Loop. here on ESPN 1320. Sacramento Sports later.
0: Welcome back to hour number two of the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Get ready for the most up-to-date sports news and talk with the ESPN 1320 Insiders.
2: Our number two, baby, taking you right up to noon. Then we'll hand it off to D'Lo and KC. Let's get into Kings Clippers. We opened the show with that. We've been talking a little bit of football, getting you geared up for Week 13. By the way, Week 13 begins tonight. And you can listen to that game. It is the Seahawks at the Cowboys. You can listen to that right here on ESPN thirteen twenty Thursday Night Football, beginning uh, with coverage beginning at four forty five. That's a sneaky important game for the Forty Nine ers. Mm. I know the Niners have their own thing with the Eagles this weekend, but we'll we'll dive into that Thursday night game, and I'll and I'll tell you why it's so important for the Forty Nine ers a little bit later on. Good, bad, and ugly from the Kings game last night. Yeah couple of good things to start De'Aaron Fox continues to cement himself for for me because I think the definition is is different for everybody Darren Fox to me continues to cement himself as a superstar where in a in a blowout win he's having a huge game in a in a game in the home opener against the Warriors that was a game the Kings were trending towards losing by 25 points mm-hmm. and De'Aaron has a huge fourth quarter and the Kings get to within, I think they cut cut it to like four or five at one point, late in the fourth. Like they were right there. They were a missed Keegan three away from being like a one possession right back in the ball game. Yeah. Type of thing, and that was all Darren. And then you get uh, <laughs> the Warriors game again uh, recently, uh, the other night where they they clinched the the play in tournament berth, or the in season tournament berth. God, I hate that. I say play in every single time. Every time. Where he's one for seven from three, but then steps into a big one at the end of the game and cashes it. Like that's a last night, team doesn't really have anything, but hey, he's gonna do everything to drag him along and keep him within keep him within arm's reach. Keep with hey, he you get know, one flurry from Kevin Herter or somebody, and they're right back there. That was the good news for me last night is De'Aaron Fox did not did not fall victim to the same malaise that the rest of the team played with.
3: I, I totally agree. He did one other time this season where he fell into the, like, oh, this is a bad thing, right? The He had the 14-point game, I think, is against New Orleans. Mm, yeah. Um. But overall, like, the greatness of De'Aaron Fox is is happening right in front of us. We're watching it unfold. Yep. We're watching him become a superstar. He's averaging 30.7 points per game right now Man. after the 40-point night. That's his second 40-point night of the season. He also... um Like, he's, I think he's third or fourth in the league in scoring. Does he qualify yet? He doesn't qualify yet. He misses five games,
2: and he can't qualify. Good gracious.
3: But five out of, like, what are we at? 17 17 now. Yeah, so he's getting there, though. A little over a third, I guess. Yeah, so, I mean, if I'm looking at, like, where he's going to be, you know, I I think he's also, he's going to test, like... How do you consider players like for MV, things like MVP balloting? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So right now, uh, Joel, Joel Embiid leads at 32 a game. Uh, Kevin Durant's at 31.3. Luka Doncic is at 31.1. De'Aaron Fox would be the next player at 30.7. He'd Man. be fourth in the NBA above Shea, above Giannis, above Steph, above Jokic, uh, Donovan Mitchell, above Jason Tatum, above Tyrese Maxey, like right there. Is that crazy? Tyrese Maxey's number ten. Wow, that's wild. Talk about.
2: I don't want to say out of nowhere because he's been a good player, but a top ten
3: scorer in the league. Well, that's a huge leap. <laughs> he he's kind of you know in like a weird way he's turning into Donovan Mitchell. Like mm, like that's a good he, comp. He's like a the nineteenth pick or twenty first pick in the draft, right? Mm -hmm. Um, he fell way too far, but it was because he wasn't a good enough shooter and people were worried at the college level that, you know, he was just going to be more of like a slasher, maybe a, a drew holiday, but without the the three point shooting, you know, they liked his ability to, to play defense and stuff Mm -hmm. a lot. Like when Donovan was coming in the league, everyone talked about how good of a defensive player he was Mm -hmm. and he tried to go around and convince everybody that he's a point guard and, and sure enough, he's just a really, really good basketball player. Mm hmm. And he's not a point guard, Yeah. Um, but he, uh, he's a much better player at the, at the NBA level than he ever was at the AAU or the college level. Um, I think Max, going to be one of those guys that we feel the same way about.
2: One of the impressive things for me with De'Aaron Fox is he's scored 28 or more in all but three games this year, and the Kings are seven and two in those games.
3: Oh, so they're meaningful points.
2: Meaningful. like that's, That, to me, means something where, yeah. hey, he's leading the way and his teammates are following. It's not get the hell out of my way. I'm going to go get 30 come hell or high water. It is I'm going to get 30 within the scope of the offense, and I'm also going to make sure that we're winning games. And I think that's a testament to what he's doing defensively
3: as well. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, it's um, like he's, he's on a path, right? And mm-hmm. we're not sure where this path is going to lead, but certainly at this point... I think he might test the parameters of what the MVP is because yeah. what we've seen is the last couple of MVPs, um, I, I think it's really like the last five, have gone to players who play in the post. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Giannis, whether it's uh, Embiid or, or Jokic, like these players are able to show statistical um, like leaps that guards and, and even a lot of forwards aren't able to do. And so I I think it's going to be interesting because like wind shares and and PER and all these advanced stats, uh, like they're going to favor players that play closer to the basket. And so like, how can, can he test that theory? So,
2: okay. So I know this is not a gambling state, but if for whatever reason you, you can gamble De'Aaron Fox right now, again, on a sports book that I'm looking at, these are live odds. Okay. Jokic is 1 at plus 170. Luka is 2 at plus 650. Joel Embiid plus 700. Jason Tatum plus 850. Then it's Giannis, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Kevin Durant, Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker, Stephen Curry, Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell. Then De'Aaron Fox at plus 5,000. Wow. That means if you bet $10 on De'Aaron Fox to win MVP and he does, you win 500 bucks. Wow. Whereas if you bet ten dollars on Nikola Jokic to win, you win seventeen dollars.
3: Mm. I think I would like to take that bet. That's it. that's a great odds. Yeah, like I throw a hundred bucks down in for five k. Why not? Uh, okay.
2: So yeah, I just De'Aaron Fox is playing on a, at a, at an MVP level for sure. Last two good things here. We'll get to bad and ugly on the other side of the break. But better from the free throw line last night. There were twenty four of twenty eight. Yep, that is a. Immediate turnaround from what we saw against Golden State. Yes. Where and they shot 64% from the free throw line. I, I think
3: in a in a weird sense, they were too fatigued to overthink it.
2: Huh. You it's know? just like, oh, finally, I get to just stand at the, get to take a deep breath. Like you're shooting, but not thinking about it because you're yeah,
3: just. But mentally, I yeah. think they were too fatigued to overthink it. And I think a lot of these guys overthink it. And that's why we've seen them miss plenty of free throws. Hmm. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, what, nine of 10? Yeah. That's an
2: interesting perspective. I hadn't thought about that. He's really
3: good. Uh, Yeah, yeah. De'Aaron,
2: 9 of 10. Harrison Barnes hit both of his. Domas, 3 or 4. Malik Monk hit all 7 of his. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last good one, and this is Sasha Vizankov, who is our Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. Head to ESPN1320.com. There's a Jiffy Lube contest page right at the front. Click on that page. Enter the... No, wait. It was De'Aaron Fox. Sasha was yesterday. Sasha was yesterday. Oh, my God. Okay, De'Aaron... Fox. Was it's just, just Fox. Just Fox. Just. That that was our Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. So the code word is Fox. ESPN1320.com. Click the Jiffy Lube sign uh, right there at the front. You can't miss it. And then enter the code word Fox for your chance to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. That's Fox, F-O-X. Sasha, on the other hand, um, he's an NBA player, man. He is. That's what I, that's the last two games. That's been my big takeaway. I don't know if he should start. Somebody in the chat was asking if he should start now. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he should get 25 minutes a night off the bench, but you know that whatever you need from him, whatever his role is, he can play it. He's a capable defender. I wouldn't call him a good defender, but he's a capable defender. He's so much better on the defensive end than I thought he would be. D- d- dramatically better. It's so much better. Yeah, and and he can shoot it. We all knew he'd be able to do that. Yeah, he's not scared of the moment. He, I'm just that's an NBA player, bro. I he's gonna be in the league for a while. Yeah, he can play. Yep. Uh, and to quote him,
3: he can, he can play. play. He I can, can play. I can play.
2: Yeah, if you're winning a EuroLeague MVP, like you don't suck at basketball. No. But it's ca- how do you transition to the NBA? And he has he has passed whatever the first test is over the first month. He's passed it with with flying colors, and he's definitely exceeded the expectations I have.
3: I totally agree, and I would say people want to like go to uh, my Twitter handle at James underscore Ham NBA mm-hmm. and watch the Sasha Vazenkov post game interview from last night. I thought it was spectacular. Just a uh, good vibes on that guy. Yeah, good vibes, but also like honest. Like mm-hmm. there's no hiding from. Yeah. You know, And he doesn't have any pretense to hide. All right. Bad loss last night for the Kings. I, I don't know. We'll talk about the term
2: bad loss. I wouldn't call it a bad loss. Just an ugly game for the Kings last night. And we will get into what was bad, what was ugly. We'll do all that next on The Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
0: Now, back to The Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
2: I'll never be a hater of the current generation. I refuse to be old guy. I'm 33 now. I refuse to be old guy who's like, oh, those Gen Zers all suck. It's like, that's <laughs> stupid. That's what people did to millennials, and it's trash. Like, it's just that that's a bad that's a bad way to exist. It's just, hey, try and understand that that generation's different. I'm fully on board with now, though, that I will never get it. Like, I will never be like, oh, yeah, I'm 33 years old and I'm hip with what everybody's into. Nah. When I was 20, I was like, I will never be that old guy who doesn't know. I'm the old guy who doesn't know. It took me 13 years.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm fully with you. Like, all these, uh, like, the terms and stuff. Like, I never have any. I I literally have to stop my 16-year-old. I'm like, what is it that you're saying? Like, what is Riz? Oh, dude, that's, that's short for Charisma. Yeah,
2: for charisma. Well, yeah. I didn't know that. I only knew that because Livy risked up baby Gronk.
3: Oh, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I, I don't know what you just said, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> no, I just, like you watch an award show and we'll get to the Bad and Ugly here from the King's Lost of the Clippers last night. You watch an award show, like a music award show. Yeah. And it's like hosted by this superstar YouTuber who has 17 million YouTube subscribers. I'm like, that's so many people who know who this person is. I've never seen their face in my life. Yes, that's not a hey. They're actually not popular. That's me. That's a me problem.
3: <laughs> I'm the old, out of touch person. I don't know because it's possible that like, like sixteen point five million of those are bots and <laughs> stop and, and that really only five hundred thousand people know who they are and and like and you're okay, Kyle. Speaking of YouTube stars, okay. If you want to hit subscribe on our
2: YouTube video right now, that'd be great. Oh. Segway. Subscribe to ESPN 1320 TV. It's us. It's D'Lo and KC. <laughs> hit that little bell icon so you will get notified every time we go live. We are live every day uh, at 10 a.m. and we do our show. It leads right into D'Lo and KC. You don't even have to leave the video; it just goes right on through. And while you're here, please hit the like button. We would appreciate the hell out of that. All right, Kings lose to the Clippers last night, 131 to 117. Let's do some of the bad and some of the ugly. A bad thing for me. Nobody had more than five rebounds. Not a single person.
3: Yeah, that's embarrassing. Not one
2: person could go get
3: snag a sixth one. Manny the mannequin would have had more than five rebounds. What's incredible is
2: De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Demonis Sabonis, and Kevin Herter. Oh, and Sasha Vzenkov. This is. I bet this is the first time this has happened in NBA history. So that's Fox, Barnes, Sabonis, Herter, Vazenkov. That's five players all had five rebounds one offensive board and four defensive boards.
3: Wow. That that could be a stat that, you know, that's that holds up. really that's really hard to
2: do. I'm going to just guess. I haven't confirmed this. I'm guessing that's the first time in NBA history that that's happened. Where five players on a team all have one offensive board and four defensive rebounds.
3: I think it might be also the the first time that seven players tie for the team lead in rebounds with five. Oh my god. Seven players. <laughs> Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter. Herter. Then we get to Trey Lyles. We get to JaVale McGee. We get to Sasha Vazinkoff. JaVale with five boards in five minutes? Putting in work, man. Putting in work.
2: Somehow still finishes a minus. He's tall.
3: He's a tall guy. He is. Hmm. Tremendously tall person.
2: Yeah, just nobody with more than five boards. That just can't happen. Like there's there's too much size with DeMontis Sabonis. There's too much athleticism with with Harrison Barnes or De'Aaron Fox, Trey Lyles. Uh, just somebody somebody go affect the game.
3: Yeah, you got to find different ways. Like I, I don't know what's going on here, but like at at a certain point, you have to find ways to impact the game. And um, yeah, I just don't think they had enough of that. They didn't have enough winning plays, Kyle. Yeah, that's uh, a
2: that's a well put. Yeah. Second bad thing for me was the three point shooting last night, and this is where this is where I think you see back to backs really manifest themselves. Especially when you played so so many high stress, heavy minutes, you had to battle to come all the way back from twenty four points down, seventeen points down to start the second half. It's just a lot of energy, and I think you see that in in some of the threes, whether it's an ill advised three because their legs are tired. Or it's a three that's coming up short because the legs are tired, or it's a it's a mental mistake where it's oh it's all of a sudden it's late in the shot clock and you're having to hoist a bad three. I think that's where you start to see the effects of a back to back, and I think we saw it last night with 13 to 41. Yeah,
3: that's uh, just not good enough. I also, it, it, strangely, De'Aaron Fox hit most of his threes late, like because mm-hmm. he was not good early on, mm-hmm. and so I I think he hit at least two of those in like the the way like in the fourth. Um, because he yeah, he, two he did not shoot yeah he did not shoot well uh early on he was one of five and they weren't particularly like super close
2: yeah one of five uh, in the first half two of three in the fourth quarter
3: yeah
2: uh to finish three of eight yeah three of eight overall not bad but yeah. you'd rather see not see him start one for five that
3: Sasha vizenkov three for five stands out yeah and when he like he doesn't care. He doesn't care where he's at or who's guarding him. Or... I
2: have a I have a small gripe with it, and this is a big-time nitpick because he's been so good the last two games. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's two times a game where he shoots a three and it's like, nope, that's not the shot. <laughs> like, he just catches, there's a guy in his face, he's six feet behind the line, he's like, I'm hoisting.
3: He's a heat check he's guy. He's just heat,
2: che- it's heat like, check. Your fir- <laughs> it's like, that's your first shot. No heat check on your first shot. What are <laughs> <Heat> you doing? <laughs> Like, like Sasha, this. I'm going to heat check. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, he, he can shoot it so you don't hate it. If that I was it. JaVale, he'd I get pulled. But, <laughs> like I said, once or twice a game, it's like, why is he? What is? Nope. Don't. Okay. Wow. He's, like, he's
3: shooting that. All right. I don't know. He sets like said, everything it's a, else It's up. a nitpick.
2: It's a nitpick for sure. All right. Uh The Ugly. This is part. This is. it. Let's. The Clippers only turned the ball over four times. Yeah. That's n- not enough times. And that's partially because they played a, a clean game. But they played a clean g- game in part because the Kings weren't active enough defensively.
3: The Clippers never once felt the Kings.
2: That's a great way to put it.
3: They didn't. They, no. The Kings, like, that's where the physicality didn't show up at all. hmm Like, they just... They weren't there. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know. Like, did they go to the line a lot? Like the Kings had, the Clippers shot twenty personal fouls, right? So yeah, the Kings shot more free throws than the Clippers did. Yeah, they were way more aggressive going to the basket.
2: Yeah, it just is just a yeah. Four turnovers for a team is that's indicative of if a team has eight nine, that's like man, they put it four. Yeah. I, That just that to me says there wasn't nearly enough pressure applied. Well, that
3: the Kings have been a great deflection team, and Mm -hmm. you know they get these, they knock someone uh, off kilter, their offense off kilter. That's just not at all what we saw.
2: They had one turnover in the first half. Oh, one. Oof, that's ugly. Uh, That is second ugly ugly thing. Speaking of the Clippers, they shot fifty three point eight percent from the field and fifty percent from three. Mm hmm. That's again. That's just all of these point to, and all of these track. Like sometimes you'll watch a game, and then you look at the stats, and it's like, oh, what? that's weird. Like the the stats did not match what I just saw. But last night, all the stats match. Yeah, look at like a preseason game.
3: I know someone had brought up like uh, James Harden. His his season high was twenty four, right? And he had seventeen mm-hmm. in the first quarter. He only finished with twenty six. So so he actually, they did, mm. he stopped. I, I was, when I was watching that game, I was surprised by how much just watching them on the court. I know this might sound a little strange. James Harden, it, that's his team. Like, how did that happen? How did that happen so quickly where it's just everyone watching what James Harden does, it's his team now? Like, that's, it's kind of strange. Yeah. It's kind of, like I don't understand. It's like whatever, whatever they were doing last night worked
2: with Kawhi and Paul George off the ball. Yeah, but I don't. We talked about sustainability with that. I don't buy it long term.
3: I, I don't buy it either. But it's almost like he just like walks up to somebody's house, walks inside, like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna get the locks changed and I'm just gonna move in. I'm gonna I'm gonna move your stuff out of the master mm-hmm. bedroom and into the spare room, and I'm gonna take that because I like that bed better. <laughs> And you're like, who are you? Like, that doesn't matter. I'm moving in. You're like, "Uh, uh, okay. He told us. I "I am the system. I guess. He said it. Wild. He did not
2: not mince words, and you're starting to see it. I also, Kawhi had one of those games last night, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't do this all the time. But he had one of those games last night where you watch and you go, oh, yeah. Like, God, Kawhi's good, bro. Oh, yeah. Quite, whether he can do it for 70 games in a, in a playoffs run TBD but man when Kawhi is on there's not that many players better than him I mean he had
3: a quiet 34.
2: a very quiet 34. just very quiet nice and easy 16 in the first half 18 in the
3: second half 14 of 18 from the field it just he's yeah man, he's that, that was a player. legit plus 20 legit <laughs> Damanis Sabonis
2: has struggled in back-to-back games. We will dive into that. We will check in with the Kings uh, after their first 17 games and then looking at it against 17 games last year mm. because it looks very, very similar. Is that good news Is that good news or is that bad news? We'll discuss all of that next. Plus, a quick look ahead to Thursday Night Football, a very important game for the 49ers, and we'll tell you why next. That's James. I'm Kyle. We are the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube, here on ESPN 1320. Sacramento Sports, hey? <laughs> um. <coughs>
0: Now, back to the insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
2: Let's talk about Domana Sabonis for a minute. Back-to-back, really, really rough games for Domas. hmm And not rough games like in the, oh, he's usually a 19, 12, and 8 guy, and he only had 17, 9, and 6. Over the last two games, this is combined. He's five of nineteen from the field. That's twenty six point three percent. He's two of four from three. All right, and he's averaging ten, six and a half, and six and a half over two games. And it is not that that Sabonis forgot how to play basketball. It's not that the even like okay. So he didn't play. He doesn't. He hasn't dominated against the Warriors, but it was like a different level of struggle against the Warriors the other night. And then he backs it up with another poor performance against Ivica Zubats and the and the Clippers. And I think Sass brings up a, a great point in the YouTube chat that that's somebody that hangs out in the chatty house at youtube.com slash ESPN1320. And Sass says, Sabonis needs some DNPs. He is overworked. That's a did not play, for those of you unfamiliar with the acronym. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree. Like he, he, the, I'm going to bring this to the, to the 49ers real quick. The 49ers, when they lost to the Bengals, they just looked like a team that was like, bro, that gas tank is on empty. They need, and it's a good thing their buy came when it did, because they might've lost a couple more games in a row, but they get the buy, you rest, you clear your mind, you come back and Hey, look, they look like the 49ers again. I think a a one game off for DeMontis Sabonis. I know that's not what the Kings want to do. I know that that's antithetical to the the sport and you got to play 82 and this and that and Iron men and this and that. But take a day off, bro. Like just get him, get his legs some rest, get his mind some rest. That guy takes more hits than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, he plays fullback ostensibly. And I just think, I think a night off would
3: do wonders. I think a night off like might do wonders, but I also think a day off, like what they're getting today, the Kings don't play. They, they've they got a little break here, right? They've got like two days. Yeah. I think he'll look like a different player, but then he gets to go up against Jokic, right? So like how much different of a player does he look? I, I'm not sure, Uh, but like he needs a break. A lot of the Kings need a break. Like this mm-hmm. schedule has been, it's been a little light as far as like how many games they've played versus other teams. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember they played 10 of their first 15 on the road. Mm-hmm. Like they've already traveled a bunch. Yeah, You know, they they have not acclimated to the back-to-backs, which to me, you know, usually takes a couple. There are some teams that just come out and like, they're great in the back-to-back, but I wish that there was a way for the NBA to be more equitable with their back-to-backs. Right. How so it, like here's, how this week works for the Kings, Warriors, and Clippers. Hmm. The Clippers, uh, the Kings and Warriors play on Tuesday. The Clippers had Tuesday off. The Clippers and Kings play on Wednesday. The Warriors had the day off. The Clippers play the, the Warriors on Thursday. So of the three teams, the Kings are the only one who have to face a team who's playing on the second night of that they're playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Well, no, I guess the Warriors do too. The Warriors and the Kings both have to play a team on the second night of a back-to-back, the Clippers and Kings. The Warriors don't, right? So the Warriors didn't have a game on Monday. Yes. But now the Kings and, but then they play the Kings. Then they have Wednesday off, and then they get to face a worn-out Clippers team the next night. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand how you can't make that part of the schedule more balanced because we talk about schedule losses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like the Kings are in the midst of, well, they just finished what a three games and four nights, right? Mm -hmm. Oh no, they didn't. They had a couple of days off before, but either way, like I would have liked to have seen where, you know, the Clippers and the Kings are on the same level playing ground. The, the Warriors and the Kings are on the same level playing ground because, the problem is that these are all divi- their divisional games, mm-hmm. and so you're getting beat up in division, but by the schedule as much as anything else. Yeah. So anyway, I-, I think that there is a way to do that, especially with all of these teams. You got two teams in LA, one in, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, one in in Sacramento. Like you should be able to work that out. Right? I think eventually, equ- equitable.
2: I I think eventually the move is you turn back to backs into two game sets.
3: Hmm. Okay. So every time you have a back to back, it's against the same team. Yes. It's I, knocking two games off I the schedule. I would agree with that because then you're on equal footing. Yes. Yeah. But what they can't be is um one team is is got the third and fourth nights of a of a three games and four nights and another doesn't.
2: Yeah, that's brutal.
3: Yeah, so it can't be like, hey, the Kings the the Houston Rockets have Saturday have a game on Saturday, but the Kings play on Sunday, and then they have a back-to-back on Tuesday, Wednesday mm-hmm. against each other. Because again, that puts one team at a major disadvantage when yeah. they're playing in that third game. It's the third game in four nights. Yeah.
2: Yeah, scheduling's hard, man. It is. It's complicated. It's really difficult. Every <laughs> what's what's really what the sick part about all this is every solution comes down to less games fewer games i should say that's every every so unless they want to extend the season like through the summer and why not you could own the summer just take your take your season to the end of july and then hand it off to football for the
3: preseason well i've told you like this season specifically they wiped out a week of preseason mm-hmm Okay, like where are you getting that week back? I I don't know what they're doing there. Like that to Isn't me it for the tournament, the in season tournament. Well, yeah, but that doesn't matter because you're still playing 82 games. So mm. normally, like we have media day on November 25th, 26th, 24th, 25th, 26th. It's the mm-hmm. the last Monday of November. They pushed that to the first week of October this year. So I think that there are teams that are not going to be in as good a shape as as they should be coming into the season, because you literally just cut a, a week off the, the preseason. And then we've had the Kings start as early as like October 19th. And this year, where they start? Like the 23rd? So you're shaving days off the preseason schedule, but you're not giving them back because this the season still ends in April. It still mm-hmm. ends April 14th. Right. Like every year. So... It, to me, I, I just think it was it's it's weird how they're adjusting the schedule, but I don't see where they're actually yeah. So the Kings started this season on October twenty fifth.
1: Mm-hmm. There
3: are multiple seasons where they start the nineteenth or the twentieth. Yeah. So where are you shaving those five days off? Like because you just impacted the schedule, you squished it down. Yeah. So now there's going to be more games within the the like hmm. the same exact time period during the season. Hmm. So. I don't know, we'll see. We'll see how injuries work and all that stuff. The league is always trying to do something different with injuries. Yeah. You know, trying to avoid injuries. But it's not the freak accidents that we're talking about. You know, like the...
2: Yeah, it's the usage. Yeah. It's the wear and tear on bodies. Yeah. And there's been studies about this. Like if if you want to be, if, if you're in the camp of, hey, <clears throat> back in my day in the 1980s, 70s and the 1980s everybody played 82 games and you played through injuries and you played in back to backs and the travels better now and blah 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 these guys need to sack up Uh, there have been studies and reports on how much AAU basketball and the amount of basketball guys are playing between ages like 10 and 15 and 16 how they're coming into the league with like the bodies of like 35 year olds Oh, in yeah. terms of wear and tear like this is a this is a huge thing. And it's not the NBA can't get to AAU and go, hey, actually, you should play less, please. Like They're not going to do that. Yeah. so They got to figure out some way to keep guys uh, healthy. And I think that this is something that it's been a conversation for a while. It's going to continue to be a conversation. And like I said, every solution comes back to stretch out the 82 games over like not over. Hey, let's add a week. Like, no, add months, bro. Yeah. like Play the finals in July. There's nothing going on through June and July. Well, you want to b- compete with the dog days of baseball and nothing happening in the NFL? No, that's true. Like, just do that and keep your 82 games, or you're going to have to slash the 82, which is never going to happen.
3: I, I think that the players, though, you're always going to run into them going like, hey, we don't want to extend the season longer. We want the... You know, and and the league is like, well, we're not wiping out games. Right. That's a good point. Each of those games we're getting paid for and we're not going to wipe out more games. So Mm. I I just think it's uh, like there has to be some sort of balance here where you find it and you give these players a rest. Because I I agree. Sabonis looks beat up. But you know why he's beat up? It's he's playing similar minutes to what he was last year. Mm. But. It's a there's a big difference when De'Aaron Fox misses five games mm-hmm. and Trey Lyles misses thirteen games mm-hmm. and Kevin Herter misses a game and Keegan Murray is what he's on his fifth game he's missed mm-hmm. like there's a big difference there. Plus they played and I know this doesn't sound like a
2: lot but they played an additional seven games last year. Yeah, and that's this that's just kind of the wear and tear begins.
3: No, I, I get that and I would also say that Dion, uh, that Demona Sabonis this off season while he worked out and he trained and he, and he shot a bunch of baskets and he worked out you know, in the in the weight room and all that stuff, he still was doing a lot of non-contact because of his hand, which means he wasn't out doing basketball mm. shape. Like you can only run so much. There is no way to simulate basketball shape. And, yeah. hey, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't think the Kings are in the same shape they were last year coming into the season. Well, they,
2: they, they, t- they had a lighter camp, right?
3: Yeah, it was a lighter camp for mm. sure. I don't think it – was near it like they're in the same shape that they were coming into last season.
2: Well, I'm glad you uh, I'm Sorry, you were going to say something. No, it's okay. I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at it today. So through 17 games last year, the Kings were 10 and seven, exactly what they are now, mm-hmm. and they got here basically the same way. They started 0 and four last year. I know they didn't start 0 and four this year, but they were one and four, right? They one and four, one and three, two mm-hmm. and four.
3: Two in, um two and five, they started two and five.
2: Yeah, and then they had a winning streak this year. They had the same thing last year. They had a seven game winning streak to help them get to ten and seven. Six game winning streak this year to help them get to ten and seven. It feels very lateral. Mm-hmm. Does it feel to you as as lateral as it looks on paper? Because that was one of the things Howard Beck came on our came on our show mm-hmm. and said the reason that he's he's. Uh, hesitant with the Kings is it feels like they just stepped sideways and didn't step forward in the way that the Suns did or, or the Mavericks did or whatever teams he said I forget what teams he said but it, it feels like through 17 games it's played out that way where yeah hey you know what this is kind of the
3: same team as last year and it's a little bit what you're saying okay so this is how I, I yes like does it look the same sure Mm. But here's the difference. The difference is the games missed already. Mm. That, I mean, straight up, like let's not let's not consider like Alex Lin and Keon Ellis. Let's just consider like the core. Mm-hmm. We're looking at five games from Fox. You're looking at thirteen games from Trey Lyles, and you're looking at five games from. So we're already at twenty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, five games from Keegan Murray. Add a another game from uh, Kevin Herder. So you're at twenty four games. You're 24 games missed through the first 17. Mm. There's no way they had... I remember Keegan Murray missed a game because of a back issue the same exact day. Like November 17th last year, he missed a game because of a back injury. Came back and played the next game. Outside of that, the Kings were very whole early in the season. And you can like try to discredit what Trey Lyles means or whatever... Like, hey, Trey Lyles is a big part of what they're doing. So I would say that the fact that they're at the same exact spot, that they're, you know, 10 and 7, mm. but they're 10 and 7 with all those games missed, this is, you know, I know people don't want to buy in. This is what the national narrative was, that the Kings were so healthy, and because they were so healthy that, you know, this is, you know, that that's why they were so good last year. Okay, they're kind of defying that. Because Mm -hmm. right now they're still positioned to do the exact same thing they did last year. But it's with this asterisk of games missed. And so it's different. I don't know. And and when you have Fox and you have Keegan Murray and you have like these crucial pieces. And again, Trey Lyles miss all this time. Mm -hmm. It puts so much more stress on Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. He's the guy who has to shoulder the weight. Mm -hmm. So is he tired? He probably is. Yeah. Does he need a break? Yeah. He can get his break by having two days off in a row. He can have a, he can not practice today and he can have a light practice on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, on Friday. And I think he'll be ready to go by, by Saturday.
2: Yeah. I, I think I'm at the point where I'm, I'm, and this happened, this happened quick, but I, I guess like once the ball gets rolling in the NBA, it just, it just kind of, it, it, it goes, but I'm at the point with the Kings where I believe I, I I was not a person who last year went, ah, this is a fluke. Like, this is a one-off. I wasn't in that camp. I think a lot of people were. Mm-hmm. But I was not, not a lot of people here, but a lot of people outside of, of Sacramento believed, yeah, this is kind of, I was not on that train. Like, because you can see the vision. You know how good De'Aaron Fox can be, and you kind of see what it's, yeah. it's going to look like. And so I'm already at the point where I'm like, hit me in february. If they are if they're hanging around 4 or 5 games above 500 in february, let me take stock then. Because that's when I think you're going to see, hey, once Keegan Murray comes back, what does his development look like over the next 2 or 3 months? And then De'Aaron Fox, can does he continue playing at this level because that is something that is better for the Kings than it was last year? Can Demona Sabonis even just be what he was last year? Can he just get back on track and make these these couple of games uh, irrelevant? Those are the kind of things that I'm going to be looking for, and those those are going to take time. I don't think anyone thought, I don't think you did, or I did, or any anybody with realistic expectations for this team thought that they were going to come out and in 17 games be 15-2 and two and everybody was going to be awesome. Because there was. It was like, man, hey, Keegan has another year of development. Can he take this jump? A jump doesn't happen day one. Yep. It is over the course of his second season. What does he look like? Over the course of De'Aaron Fox's second season, growing into a superstar. What does that look like? Over Demana Sabonis's second season, being this All NBA guy. What does that look? It's it's more gradual than it was last year. Where last season for me it was like, oh, dude, whoa, the Kings are good. Like what? Oh, they're gonna make the they're they're a lock for the plant. Oh, they're gonna make the play. Are they gonna be a top two seed? Oh my god. Yeah. And now this year it's like, hey. That is, pump the brakes on all that, hit me at the end of February. Like, what is it? Because December 25, that was always a Christmas day is when the season starts. That's when I'll really start assessing. And that's for me when I'll look. And if it still looks lateral, quote unquote, just to use my word, Mm -hmm. by end of January, February, then it's like, okay. But I also think, and this is something that that I, I I also believe is going to continue being in the conversation, I also don't think the Kings today are going to look like the Kings at the end of February, just in terms of personnel.
3: Okay. No, I mean, that's possible, but that's where you're assessing right here, right? Yes. You're. You get to a certain point in the season, and if this is, if it does feel lateral, if you have not started to build... Like we always got to that point last season where they got to four games, they mm. they had won four games, right? Um, they were four games over five hundred. Then they would take a huge step back, like every time they couldn't get to five games over five hundred. Mm. And then finally, once they did, it was like boom, it was gone. Right? They got to ten games. Mm. You're like, whoa, what yeah, just happened out of nowhere? Right? So I think that that's where we're at too. I, I think we're uh, because we went through this last year with this team. We kept seeing these like plateaus. Mm once they, they blow through the plateau that they're currently on and they, they start doing their ascent, mm-hmm. you know, there's always, Mike Brown talks about, there's always going to be the step back. There always is. Like, you mm-hmm. take three steps forward, you, you're you going to take one or two steps back. Yeah. And, then, and then you got to cl- keep climbing. But at the same time, like, factor in some of these things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Factor in that the game's missed. I mean, even factor in, like, however little you, whatever you think about Alex Len, Alex Lynn was your backup center when he got hurt. He had replaced JaVale McGee, and he was mm-hmm. playing really well. Mm-hmm. Like, don't forget that. And so these things actually do matter. Like, mm-hmm. injuries do matter. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Kings are the same team they were last year, despite having all these injuries... it's a good point. That tells you that they could easily be three games better than they are today. Sure. Sure. And then they're the best team in the Western Conference, and you're not worried about that. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm like, hey, look... Like, we can start comparing them to other teams, like games lost to injury if you want. Mm-hmm. But that's it's a stat for the end of the season.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A couple of quick football notes before we get out of here. The Seahawks and Cowboys tonight. So this is a weird game for the 49ers because the Cowboys have the same record as San Francisco and could theoretically make a mess of the number one seed in the NFC if they if the Niners beat the Eagles and then the Cowboys beat the Eagles the following week, now all of a sudden you got a bunch of teams sitting uh, at, at 10 and three. Yeah. Going into, going into the final couple weeks of the season. And that could get really messy. So that, that aspect of it for the 49ers, you're like, you know what? You want to see the Cowboys lose as many games as possible. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, check this out. If the Seahawks lose to the Cowboys, tonight, and you can listen to that game, the Thursday Night Football game right here on ESPN 1320, coverage begins at 445. It's the Seahawks at the Cowboys. If the Seahawks lose tonight, and then the Rams lose their next two games, the Rams play the Browns and the Ravens, Mm -hmm. losable games for the Rams. If they lose both of those games, it sets up a scenario where the 49ers can clinch the NFC West in Week 14 against the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are at Levi Stadium.
3: Wow, with three weeks left?
2: Four weeks left. Wow. Yeah, with four games left. They clinched it in week 15 last year at Seattle on Thursday night. Okay. So they could do it a week earlier this year. And that to me is where I'm putting all my eggs if I'm the 49ers. Okay. And I know they're not like they're concerned about their own thing, but if I'm somebody that's prognosticating about the 49ers, which is what I do, it's what, I, what I'm paid to do, mm-hmm. I think you're probably wanting, if you're projecting how the 49ers feel, you want to see the Cowboys win. Because you want to lock up that top four seed regardless. You want to make sure you have a home playoff game locked up. Okay. And then worry about everything else.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Niners are good enough that they need to be concerned with not just like, like they need to be a one or a two seed. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. They want that second round home matchup as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely think you're right. But given that it's week 14, like you can have both.
3: Yeah, yeah, and especially once you get past the Ravens, your schedule's pretty light. So if you do yeah. need to set a Trent Williams for two weeks to make sure that he's hundred mm-hmm. percent ready for the playoffs, mm-hmm. maybe you can.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, don't. You that's want to take anybody be the tough lightly, thing is, but I don't know yeah. that they're gonna. Given where the Eagles are, like it's gonna be hard for the Niners to get the one seed, regardless. No, I, I even got if you. they win. So I don't. I don't know if rest is gonna necessarily be a thing. Okay, but to me, if I can lock up the NFC West, that's that's what I want to do. Uh. Aaron Rodgers trying to come back basically so coaches don't get fired. And if that's what the Jets are doing, if they're saying, unless Aaron Rodgers comes back, we're going to fire everybody. The I think Jets are doing it wrong. I think maybe we talk about that Yeah, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. We are with Ferocity at 1030. He's there Jets we go. Fan. There we go. All right. Uh, that's James. I'm Kyle. We've been the Insiders. Uh, we will be in the Insiders tomorrow as well at 10 a.m. Shout out to our friends from Jiffy Lube. Uh, we'll be telling you what's in those boxes soon. So keep tuning in. We're going Christmas. To, it's, a, it's a Jiffy Lube
1: Christmas. Shout out to them. Uh, D-Lo and you are next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.